Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. somebody listening that does and can make this happen. Anyways, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Raw Reaction for September 22nd, 2014. I'm, well, I wasn't really gone, but I'm back. (laughs) Harry Broadhurst here with you, and joining me as per usual, although last week it was Sean Garmer in my place joining him, Tony Acero. Tony, can you hear me? Yep, what's up? I, I I brought the smile back from Benny Hanna's with me, so I'm good to go. Ah, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and usually we'll open the show by touching on one of the main touching points for Raw, but today, given the fact yesterday was what it was, other than being September 21st, it was Night of Champions. So, Tony, let's talk about Night of Champions. Let's. Alright, you know the old saying, pride goeth before the fall? Never heard of it. Really? (laughs) No, I've heard it. Of course I've heard it. I'm a writer. (laughs) Yeah, well, apparently the fall now means three to two. (laughs) I knew that Jericho pick was going to come back and bite me in the ass. I knew it. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so let's do a quick rundown of the card here because anybody who wants to listen to a full detailed recap of what went down at the show, feel free to check here on the PWP radio page, the uh, Powerhouse Radio page here on Lost Talk Radio, and you can check for the the pay-per-view recap edition that Will Benefitis and Bruce Hart host every Sunday night after the special events. It takes normal place to heartbeat radio, even though Bruce is a part of the pay-per-view rep show as well. So let's go ahead and run through the results real quick, and then we'll actually get into the reason that we're here, and that's the episode of Raw at Hand. All right, the very first thing to touch on here would be the tag title match since that opened, and that would be Stardust and Goldust winning the titles when Stardust pins Jimmy, I think. 
with a roll-up after getting up the knees on the Superfly Slash. Um, right, th- right time to take the titles off of the Usos? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been the right time um, to take the titles off the Usos. Nothing against them. They've done great. They've really done really well. But I just think it's the right time for a change. Although, I can't really say we've got much of a change if tonight's any um, evidence. And we'll get into the actual carding itself from Raw and its effects going towards Hell in a Cell here a little bit later. But um, anybody who's been listening to the show for a while knows that I've been advocating getting the titles off of the Usos and onto the Wyatt family back when the Wyatt family still had something resembling heat on them. Obviously, this is no longer the case with the Wyatt family now, so I think the newly transitioned heel team of Cold Dust and Stardust is probably the best option out of everybody that's left in the uh, tag team division at the present moment anyways. Um, do you think that it'll be the use of getting the titles back when the when the trigger gets pulled on the Stardust turn, or do you think they're going to bring up another tag team here? Because I had heard rumors of talk, I had heard rumors that this might be the start of the debut of the Ascension into the WWE. Right, and that'd be a lot of weirdness going on. Um, no, I don't think the Usos are going to get the titles back, at least not at this particular juncture in time. And like I said, uh, it was time for them to lose it. I, I'm not saying the money's in the chase. It's just that the Usos, they were one of the few uh, people that got that caught on um, organically. It was never really forced, and uh, it took a while for even myself to latch on to them, but it actually happened, and it never really like went overboard with it. And so I think that they have the possibility, they have the potential to slightly alter their character and still have longevity to be something. All right, we move on to the U.S. title match where Cesaro and Sheamus faced each other. Sheamus over clean with a broke kick at about the 13-minute mark. Now, I know both of us predicted Cesaro to win this match. Do you think that the time the time is right to get that title off of Sheamus, or do you think that this was the right decision letting Sheamus keep the belt? Now? I mean, it's not a bad decision. It's just kind of sad. I mean, we've all been big fans of Cesaro. I'm not speaking just you and me. I think everybody has, and and I can't understand why they haven't placed him any higher on the card. Um, and this moment right here is, you know, could have been another um, another spring for him, especially considering that the main event. It's not that it's thin. It's just that it's kind of boring. Are you saying that this would have been an opportunity to move Sheamus back into the main event picture? No, I'm focused more on Cesaro as moving back, moving into the main event picture, more so than Sheamus. Sheamus is a character that doesn't necessarily need a belt to have a feud. I don't know why they continue to give him one. Well, the thing about moving Cesaro into the main event picture here is you're probably not going to do that if he's the United States champion. No, but I think that he has absolutely no clout right now. Right, but everybody knows right now that the IC title and the U.S. title basically mean deadly. All right, moving on here, let's continue and go to the Intercontinental title match. I don't know if I'm still in order. I believe that I am. As Dolph Ziggler takes on The Miz. Yeah, so... Um, I'll be the first one to admit that I didn't see a lot of the pay-per-view, but what I heard is that in, during this particular match, commentary focused on everything but this match. Is that is that true? Yeah. Uh, the boys from Florida Georgia Line 
were at the show there to promote the fact that they were going to be on that episode, that show with the troops in December, as they called it, or as we wrestling fans know it, tribute to the troops. <laughs> but wow! So they brought they brought them out to sit in there, and then the talk ended up being everything Florida Georgia Line and almost nothing about the match itself. There, um, the guys from Florida Georgia Line got physically involved with Damian Sandow, our true our Ziggler. Sorry, took out Ms. Dow, and they brawled to the back. But Ms. Dow came back out a little bit later on in the match and popped up onto the apron, which led to him getting super kicked off by 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 uh, Ziggler. And then Ms. caught Ziggler in a roll-up in with a very, very strong hook of the tights. I mean, we're talking full-on Ziggler ass. Ms. got the three count. Interesting. <clears throat> well, I mean, that, that connects with Raw, but we'll get to that. All right. Um, let's carry on here and go to Rusev and Henry. Uh, yeah, another one where, I mean, I, I can't just, it's, it's hard to talk about it without talking about Raw because, you know, but if we're to assume that we hadn't seen Raw yet, then, I mean, it was the right decision. Um, Henry is, I don't want to say he's untouchable, but he's a big enough name to where Rusev, a Rusev win over him can mean something. Um, so they should really do something with that. And they most likely will. Oh, and especially when you factor in the the rematch tonight on Raw, and it looks like that Rusev should be done with Henry at this point. The question is, is do they go into the Cena, into the Cena feuder? Where does Cena come out of Raw tonight? We'll find out more about that a little bit later. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on in the show. Um, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. <laughs> Obviously, the match I... doesn't happen. Yeah, I heard this match was a five. I heard this match was a five-star affair. Reigns pulled out some crazy moves. Oh, man, it was just amazing. No, um, we know what happened. Reigns, you know, was injured, and um, uh, the match didn't happen. Rollins did what he's done before. He requested a, uh, you know, a forfeit. <laughs> and um, I, I think it went well. I think it, it did what it had to do. And, of course, the return, that that right there is what did everything. I mean, you know, he hasn't been gone for – he's been gone for about a month, but, I mean, I think the WWE really needs to pay attention to what's going on here, and they are, I believe. Um, Ambrose is a name, and he's getting a lot of attention from us fans, and people are loving him. Um, I would, there's, there's a lot I would of, dare – I would dare say at this point his pops are probably the loudest in the company. Yeah, I can side with that. I mean, there's really no one else that's getting that that much of a re- that much of a unified reaction. You know, um, of course, Cena gets a lot of attention, but it's it's here and there. It's good and bad. Ambrose is like, he's exciting, he's invigorating, and for every one person on the internet that says his act is tired and he doesn't like him and it doesn't make any sense, there's like about a thousand more to everyone that say he's awesome. And you and I, I believe, are in that thousand. Yeah, he doesn't have anywhere near the derisive quality that a guy like a Roman Reigns has as far as the push that they have been giving Roman Reigns prior to his being taken out due to his injuries. Mm-hmm. We continue on with the Divas title. I'll go ahead and let you have your moment here. Yes. 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 AJ won. I knew she was going to win. I told everyone she was going to win. I told you. And guess what? She won. 
care to expand a little bit while I search for a sound effect for you? <laughs> Does it matter? No. Um, no, I, I, you know, again, without talking about Raw, this was a... Uh, for me! I'm not a fan of the interjection of the Bellas. We saw that continue tonight. I'm hoping that they go back to separating these um, two feuds. It looks like there's still a possibility of that happening. But as far as I'm champions, the right woman won. I just really wish that she didn't She didn't lose it. If you look at the Divas title as a whole, we're doing a lot of bouncing back and forth, and that's not necessarily a good thing, nor is it necessary, I think. You're welcome! Mm-hmm. That was the booking committee to you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, I don't think it was the right decision to put the belt on back on AJ. I think if they were going to continue the storyline with Paige and AJ and take the belts back away from it, then you don't have Nikki win the title as I predicted, because I will admit I, I picked Nikki in our predictions last Monday here. I think you have Paige retained because, as you said earlier in this conversation, the money is in the chase. And I think there's enough interest in another Paige and AJ one-on-one rematch that given AJ the title back in the freeway where she she does tap the champion. She did get it by tapping Paige. But it takes away from the meaning of it than it would have come in coming in a one-on-one match like the way the SummerSlam match went down where Paige pinned AJ clean with the rampage. Yeah. No, I mean, in all reality, if I were to remove myself from the, you know, the close ties that AJ and I have, then I'd have to agree that it wasn't really necessary for AJ to get the title back. Um, They could have done the turn numerous ways uh, as far as Paige just dropping the whole frenemy stuff and completely going heel and stopping with the stuff. He got rumors of sexual tension coming and all that stuff, and that's great from a man's point of view, but is it going to add anything to the story? I don't know, because they're really stalling on this as if they have no idea what they're doing. And it's unfortunate because you got great characters, great wrestlers who are just waiting to have something something a little bit new interjected and it does not have to be nor should it be a Bella. No, I completely agree with you here. And the other thing that I that I have to say about that is I will admit all, all three of them looked really well during the match itself. I didn't notice anything terribly blown, there were a couple very obviously called spots, but nothing was terribly blown, and we saw something that we don't usually see in the Divas division, and that was the Tower of Doom spot, too. Uh-huh. Where Paige superplexed AJ as Nikki powerbombed Paige. Yeah. Okay. For, for the record, if I'm AJ, there is no way I'm trusting Nikki to control that. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> Let's talk about the match that officially screwed me, Chris Jericho, Randy Orton. Yeah, I don't know I where like you were my, going. I like my toys. idea for how that match should have finished better. Yeah, well, like you and I, well, like I spoke to you about last week, your your choices in your fantasy booking, they always seem to be like something that would be really cool to see. Um, of course, the WWE doesn't follow through with a lot of that. But, uh, you know, with your, what, what you predicted was something that I would have been interested in doing. However, that's not what we got. Uh, 
Uh, in our in our pre-show conversation, we were mentioning that I had hoped the game would be over before the show started. It just ended. Chicago 27, Jets 19. Mm, interesting. So I have my first 10 win, 10 win prediction week this regular season in the NFL. Happy about that, at least. All right, moving on. Yeah, and that was the thing that I brought up, too, is the fact that if you're going to take Jericho out, because Jericho basically said as much that Night of Champions was going to be his last night with the company for now when he did that Reddit Q&A. Right. So everybody probably went into this match expecting Jericho to lose. So what better way to throw everybody a curveball than to have Jericho pick up the win and then have Orton bust out the pump, the punt kick after or after the match? Because that was something that Orton actually teased during the course of the matches. He went for the punt kick, and Jericho ducked out of the way. Yeah. All right, I believe that takes us to the main event. I don't think I think that's all seven, all six other matches that happened. Yeah. Well, how do you and that takes us to the pre-show interview with Christian. I believe that takes us to the main event. <laughs> it's not like they're going to follow up on it. Jericho's gone, and Christian's back to being an announcer. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling I mean, on it. It was relatively pointless. I mean, yeah, you have Christian kind of teeth going heel again here, but A, can Christian stay healthy anymore? And the answer to that is no. And B, with Jericho gone, what difference does it make if Christian's going to come back and try to start a feud with somebody that's not even around anymore? We already sure have a WWE deserve, You sure he doesn't deserve just one more match? Save it for WrestleMania if they're going to do him in Jericho. <laughs> Jericho needs his win back from WrestleMania 20 when Trish screwed him. Anyways. Mark Lesnar, John Cena 2. Your thoughts on the finish? Because I know you know what happened, but what were your thoughts on it? Do you think it was creative? Do you think it was a bad idea? Is it something that you would have done yourself? I would not have done it myself. I don't think it was the worst idea. Um, <clears throat> but it doesn't. it doesn't seem to fit. Um, I mean, logically, if you really want to tie a few things together, the authority is okay with Brock being the champion. The authority could have sent Seth Rollins out, blah, 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 blah. But I just think it's too early to be tying Seth into all of this with Cena specifically because I don't think it's going to make him look any better in the end. And a Money in the Bank briefcase holder shouldn't be – well, this goes against booking that they've been doing for years, but it's also something that I've agreed, something that I've had an idea about for a long time, is that you shouldn't be booking this guy as if he's a loser. They did it with Dolph, they did it with Swagger, they did it with uh, Sandow. What they do is they assume that the briefcase equates to um, them being, like, just immortal. And that's not the case, because it, it, it just isn't. But for, for whatever reason, the WWE thinks briefcase means they can lose. Briefcase means they can be, you know, beaten up and, and treated like, you know, something less than significant. The only saving grace is that Seth Rollins' character is that of a bit of a coward, so it's kind of fitting. But as far as the ending goes and what they were going for, I, like I said, it's not the worst ending, but I, probably, I didn't expect it, and I don't mean that in a good way. I question the logic behind it all, and this was a conversation right. I had with somebody as I was watching the show, because I, I had to watch the show a little bit late. I had a family commitment yesterday that caused me to miss the live airing. So I watched the show a little bit late, and I was talking to one of my friends who had already seen the show and was 
kind enough not to spoil anything for me as I was watching it. And I asked him, what sense does it make for a member of the authority to try to cash in the money in the bank contract on the guy who's been kind of loosely associated with the authority since Paul Heyman brought Brock Lesnar back into the fold? Uh-huh. Now, don't get me wrong. I have an interest in seeing Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. But I don't have an interest in seeing that at the present moment with both guys' heels. I'd have more interest in that being a match where it would be a guy like Rollins in an Ambrose role of the overcoming babyface against the, uh, a beast like Lesnar rather than, hey, I'm going to sneak in and cash in on you while you're in the middle of a match. Which leads me to another thought about the Money in the Bank briefcase, and then we'll actually get to Raw here, you know, 20 minutes into the show. Um, do you think it's time to get get rid of the immediate cash-ins for the Money in the Bank contract and move it back to a stipulation where you have to call your shot in advance now? No. I've always enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed the, uh, the fact that it could happen at any minute. And more often than not, not always, but more often than not, it creates a huge moment, like a moment in history that people will not forget. Dolph Ziggler's cash-in, people aren't going to forget it. Edge's cash-in, not going to forget it. You know, these... So every time someone says, "Oh, I'm going to fight you here," you know, it's usually John Cena, um, <laughs> or or in this, you know, RVD did it, I believe, as well. But no, I, I like the yeah, surprise element. I, yeah, I like it a lot. All right, because that was something that I had discussed with somebody else there, and they said that they felt that the time had come to get rid of the the cash in whenever you want to thing. And I disagree with him. I took the same stance you did. I think that it adds an element of unpredictability, and especially for situations where the cash in helps. Yeah. Uh, I just went back and rewatched Ziggler's cash in a couple of days ago, and it still gave me like chills watching it a year and a half later on YouTube. Yeah, it's good stuff. Just the insane crowd reaction. The fact that everybody in that building was into everything that happened during the course of that match. And it was clearly the biggest win of a fan favorite's career in Ziggles. So, mm-hmm. all right. On that note, let's go ahead and let's talk about Raw, shall we? Yeah, Ziggles. They okay. When you ran the soundboard last week, because I assume you did, because I don't think Sean knows how. Did they have right. the new the new formatting for the studio? Um, no, it was the same, it was the same as usual. I haven't seen, I'm not on my laptop right now, so I haven't seen if there's a new format or not, but if there is, that's kind of frightening. Yeah, yeah they, they redid the format for the, uh, for the studio on Block Talk Radio. It's, it's a little confusing, but I think I got it. <clears throat> I heard it do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, so um, obviously, you know, I did the Raw report and I recapped it and all that other beautiful stuff. Um, what, was, what was my first two? Uh, Bella Bad. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry I tried to expunge it from my mind, but apparently it didn't work. Um, so the Bellas had a segment today. And actually, let me bring up the Raw report real quick. Someone, while I was typing it, someone... Uh, mentioned that I, as a recap, should have reviewed it in a way that was fair for all wrestling fans. In other words, leave my bias out the window. And Because what I said at the end of the match was Nikki Bella, ugh, or something to that effect. Um, and, of course, I replied... That, that was your exact quote. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki Bella, hug, match rating five stars. Yeah, my reply was, I rated the match five stars. You know, What, what more do you want? But... 
you know, he called me a jerk or said don't be a jerk. So I, I, I elaborated a bit more, and I'll continue to do that here. Wherein um, his defense, you know, the, the, the poster's defense was that the story that was presented was no bullshit. There was no Jerry Springer. There was no Jerry Lawler. There was no, you know, um, moments where you looked at and rolled your eyes and this and that, and it was focused and it was driven and it wasn't that long. And I agree with all of those sentiments. However, it did not make the segment good. I don't care that there was no dressing. I don't care that it was straight to the point, whatever it may be. I agree with that, but that's not the point that I was trying to make both in the report and now. The point that I'm trying to make is that it was crap. It was just really bad. A lot of people say that Brie is worse than Nikki. I, they're interchangeable to me. The only reason why Nikki's better, I guess you could say, is because she's the heel. And as most people should know, it is so easy to be a heel. It is very easy, you know, in life and in wrestling, okay? Um, the, the inflection of their voice, the, mo- the mon- you know, I should speak because my voice is extremely monotonous, but, but what they have right there is that they have lack of emotion. And when they do have emotion, it's the same emotion throughout. Brie is super sad. Nikki is super mad, and that's it. And you saw that tonight. It was just really, really bad. Like, it was it was eye-rolling inducing. It was to the point where when AJ came out, it was like a saving grace, you know? And then you get the match, which wasn't a bad match. Again, and, and I, you know, I rated it five stars. Realistically, it was slightly below average. But you saw who was leading the charge. You saw who was who was maneuvering around that, you know, who was making this match happen. And it's not me talking shit on the Bellas as much as it's me simply stating that you've been in this business for a long time. Where's the proof? All right. <laughs> you know, that that that's pretty much the point that I'm trying to make. I'm talking about promo skills, wrestling skills. Where's the proof that you've been here for a long time? Um, I don't see any growth, which was the guy's argument in the comments. I, I see very little. I see it. But it's just so minimal to the point where it's like, what do you, what are you guys doing to deserve this spot that you're receiving? Basically, I know what they're doing. They're making money. They're they're on Total Divas. They're a essential face of the WWE. AJ's not the face of the WWE. Nikki and Brie Bella are, and they've they've shown that. The problem is, it comes off as really really bad. It's like watching, I mean, it's like watching a really bad soap opera, and that is essentially what it is. The, the 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 linear logic doesn't make sense. And you're they're fighting as someone that I never want to see you again. I want you to drop a Bella name. Yet Nikki's calling Brie out. They want to talk. She wants to. And then what what distracted her? An interview? Words? Like it just a lot of it just didn't make any sense. It was illogical. It was shoddy writing, and it had horrible players on the stage. Well, I think that's been kind of the biggest issue that a lot of people have had. The biggest issue that a lot of people have had with this is the fact that everything that's come off has come across so soap opera level acting. I mean, even above and beyond what we traditionally see from pro wrestling, that it just drags it down to a point of you cannot get rid of that suspense, suspension of disbelief. And that, that, oh my God, they're actually mad at each other. No, they're not. <laughs> they're still going to stay. They're, they're, they're sisters. They're not going to stay mad at each other. They're part of a... I guess you could say hit. I don't freaking watch it. Reality show and Total Divas. Be like one of the very few wrestling fans that has never caught an episode. It's just the concept doesn't interest me. But there's no ability to suspend my disbelief that they're actually mad at each other in the level of acting that they're portraying in the course of their segments. 
Uh, I think I described it best in the yes thread when once the segment started, I said, I typed out a simple comment of, where's my mute button? And that's the kind of thing, especially during Monday Night Football season, that's going to get people to change the channel on you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be... I'm going to be curious to see how many people, how many viewers they actually lost in that quarter hour over the course of the Nikki and Bree segment and into Nikki versus AJ for the title because I think that the Bella's storyline is to the point where it's actually going to aggressively drive people away from the product at this point. Well, I mean, you saw the evidence tonight where it was more so like they needed to continue it, but they didn't know how. There was no actual focal point of the argument other than I want you to drop the Bella name. So there was no new addition. There was nothing. If anything, they kind of backpedaled and then retreated, you know, because they didn't say anything new. They started off as you weren't there for me. Your words my support. Like, I thought Nikki left that train a long time ago. I thought she stopped feeling that way, you know. I thought she no longer wanted the support, but now it's all about Brie all over again. So, it's like they're going back and forth, and, and it just didn't make sense, and it, it, it's not ever going to make sense, and I don't think that people are going to care. I mean, I don't think they do anyway. It was all bad. I remember specifically I remember specifically saying that I would have an interest in this program back when I called Nikki turning one Brie at SummerSlam. You did. And they have completely killed any and all interest I have in a one-on-one singles match between the two Bella sisters. <laughs> With the B-level acting, with the over-the-top emotionalizing that they're trying to attach to the story, with the shoddy use of the guest people that they've brought in, guys like Springer and Lawler and such, even the involvement of Paige and a- bringing Paige and AJ into their storyline when it had no reason to be anywhere near the Divas title. At this point, it's channel change television. And... I think as a television product, that is the last thing that you want to be putting on air on a consistent basis is something that actively makes people want to change the channel away from whatever it is that they're watching that you're providing. Just my personal thoughts on it, anyways. I wasn't happy with it. Uh, okay, given the fact that your second do is what it is, Want to go ahead and do quick hits here because you're going to touch on pretty much everything else there. Yeah, sure. On the tie-in summer ray, I noted in the in the in the report that you noted technical difficulties. Natalia taps summer ray in like two minutes. Uh, Layla tried <laughs> to get involved. Rosa pulled Layla off the apron, and Natalia put Summer into the sharpshooter for the tap out. Well, there it is. There was there any. Um... Shorts or um, anything you know, pulled down. Just the mal- we get the wardrobe malfunction in the Miz and Ziggler match again. Oh, okay. Whoever booked that needs to be shot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, believe it or not, that's the only thing that we're not touching on in on the rest of the show. Yeah, for whatever reason, there wasn't a lot of fluff. I mean, Raw as it stands, and we'll get into it more at the end, wasn't too bad. Um, there are just a lot of decisions that I saw that weren't. I didn't really move anything forward and uh, made a lot of things kind of question, like, what the point of something like yesterday was. 
All right, let's actually talk about one of those things there because you have it listed here at the next let's talk about Raw Point in addition to mentioning in the course of your second do, but it's not the direct focal point. So we'll get into this right here with the let's talk about Raw segment, and that would be the match between Mark Henry and Rusev tonight on Raw. Do you think that this is the final end for their for their little mini feud here? Because it certainly seemed definitive between yeah, the tap out victory yesterday. Yeah, definitely felt that way. Definitely felt like this was the end. Um, it was a remorseful Mark Henry telling himself, you know what, if you guys will allow me to do this again, then I will, only for it to turn out even worse for him this time around. Um, they played up the fact that he wasn't 100% and that he, you know, really tried his best and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I think that this was the official, like, okay, Rusev won this definitively. Now what's next? And if uh, rumors are correct, then what's next is John Cena. Well, the thing is, is given what happened over the course of the storyline today in the actual, during the full length of the show, though, I think Cena's probably about to enter a little three-way match coming up with uh, Ambrose and Rollins, if I were to venture a guess, assuming that the rematch with Lesnar doesn't happen at Hell in a Cell. I wouldn't be surprised to see John Cena versus Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. Yeah, and I just don't see why. I mean... (laughs) I get that maybe perhaps they want to put um, Rollins and Ambrose more into the main event, but I think that that's not even a part of their worry. I think what they're more worried about is um, what's going to pull in ratings, and they assume that interjecting John Cena into this storyline will help, do nothing but help. The problem is this storyline is doing great on its own, and it has been without Cena. It's the focal point of a pay-per-view at one point to the, to, to the degree that people were most likely only going to be purchasing it specifically for that one match that did not happen. And you're referring to what went down at Payback back in July. Mm-hmm. And the backlash that came with him canceling the match there when Ambrose attacked Rollins before the match even happened. Yep. Uh, getting back to Henry and Rusev, where do you think Mark Henry goes from here? Um, well, he's got a tag team partner he can you know tag with. Someone that could build him up and say, it's all right, we're, we're going to be okay, America still loves you. Or he'll just disappear for a little bit and then come back, you know, as a man that just splits wigs. Either one is fine, and he can pull off either one. Would you have any interest in seeing Big Show used as the next guy to put some more steam behind the Rusev push? Big Show stepping up for his tag team partner that Rusev has basically dismantled over the last two evenings. You know, it's funny. I don't know if it's ever happened, but it seems so cliche. Does that make any sense? Like, it's something that we may or may not have seen before. I really don't know. You would know better than I would. But it also feels like it's something that I wouldn't want to see again. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I can't think of any tag team partners that Rusev's beaten up both members of the team. No, not necessarily but... tag team partners. It's more so the monster push where you go through the big guys one after another. And then, you know, it's like, oh, we get it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the uh, Mr. Kennedy push when he went through, like, eight different world champions. Mm-hmm. Or, what <laughs> with his continuous squashes or any monster push that they want to do. Kali is a person that gets beat up so many times. Like, it's just, there's only so much you can do. And I believe that they just kind of bide their time by feeding you know, the newest person, um, these big guys, just because they want us to believe something that we already believe in. 
and I understand where you're coming from here, but I don't quite think they're ready to pull the trigger on Sino Rusev yet. It doesn't feel like it at all. Especially not after the way tonight's show was booked. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll see more to come on that on SmackDown this Friday and then next Monday night on Raw as well. And they actually get kind of lucky. Next Monday night's Monday night game is kind of a snoozer. <laughs> New England, okay, people will want to watch New England. Not to see them face Kansas City, though. No. Kansas City is awful this year. Yeah, I know a man that's a fan, and he's dying every week. <laughs> they did hand Miami their ass this past Sunday. Yeah, yeah, he's not letting go of that win, like, at all. <laughs> you can hold on to week one, Tony. Those were the good days Dude, for Minnesota what the this hell? season. <laughs> <laughs> like, man. <laughs> Just, I mean, come on. <laughs> That's all right. Every year it happens. That's, I, that's a whole other topic for a whole other show, and I'm just glad I didn't have him on any of my fantasy teams. Moving <laughs> on. Okay, so, yeah, this one might be a little lengthy, um, but I'll try to shorten it up. I mean, we're we're doing pretty good on time anyway, but in regards to my second do, it was um, uh, I said on the, the format here, rematch city, bitch. Um Tonight, and this isn't just immediate rematches from the pay-per-view, because I I think you noticed there's a couple in there that weren't on the pay-per-view that I mentioned, but tonight we saw Henry Uh versus Rusev, we saw Dolph versus Miz, we saw uh, Bo Dallas versus Swagger, and another six-man tag that we saw a week ago. That's four rematches that that, that had had already happened within a span of one week. Now, I Um, kind of... Can I chime in here real quick? Didn't yeah, go ahead. AJ versus Nikki happen on the build-up to Night of Champions as well? Um, yeah, that too. I mean, the you know the point is like, wow, guys, you're not even trying. Um, I get there's there's something called forward progression, and for whatever reason, the first week after a pay-per-view, WWE always stalls. They don't they don't push forward. They just kind of chill. Because I and then and then they rush it at the end of the month. They rush it to get to the pay-per-view, and then you got a pay-per-view with, like, two matches, and you got to build a card within a week. So why are they wasting their time with this first week with rematches? What we saw tonight was Dolph retain, or I'm sorry, regain the Intercontinental title, which leads me to ask, why did he lose it last night? Were they trying to show that, you know, there's cheating and the turnabout is fair play? And then you got Jack Swagger beating Bo Dallas. And it's like, where are they going with that? Does it even matter? Henry versus Rusev, I can kind of defend it, but even so... Why couldn't we get tonight's ending last night? Was it necessary for it to happen again? I'm not saying it was unnecessary, but you have to question, you know, what what did you really gain from the pay-per-view ending versus tonight's, and why couldn't they just do tonight's last night? The six-man tag, as fun as they are, as great as the WWE does them, what was the point? You know, and, and that's what I that's that's pretty much the re- reoccurring theme with these rematches. What was the point, especially considering? Last night was a pay-per-view. I get that we're trying to get away from that word and that the network is a different beast now, but these events are still supposed to be something special, something unique, something that you just have to run to the computer to watch, that you have to buy the network to get. Why are you going to get it if you're going to see the exact matches the next day? 
Yeah, I think at this point it's getting to the point where the only matches that actually have any kind of significance there are the, are the shows that they build towards the big, the matches that they build towards the big three pay-per-views right now. And that refers to Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and SummerSlam. I think for these B-show pay-per-views that they're doing, like even Night of Champions, which is it's an interesting concept, but with them only having five titles now in the fold, there's only so much that they can do with that. And then coming up on Hell in a Cell as well, which is a gimmick pay-per-view there, you're just not going to see the same amount of effort put into the build towards these pay-per-views as you do towards the towards the major ones that we had. Like, Night of Champions had a strong build going up into it because that was the renewal process for a lot of people for their original for their original purchase back in February of the network. Night of Champions was the last pay-per-view on that current set of subscriptions before the renewal fees would be due. And they wanted to put something special into uh, making that card look good, but then they're going to go ahead and give away most of those matches that you would have paid your subscription, as you said, they're away for free on TV. I questioned it myself as I was watching Raw. Like, really, they're doing a second pay-per-view rematch tonight? Yeah. And, you know, your explanation for it all is all 100% true and 120% sad. It's like this. Let's let's look at it this way. Let's metaphor this bitch real quick. If I have a job and my focal point, what drives me, what wakes me up every morning is money and simply money, I'm not going to do that good of a job because the motivation factor is do what you have to do to make money. If I have a job that I enjoy, a job that I'm happy with and that I'm proud of, and a job that I legitimately want to do good in, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be amazing, and the money's going to come. It's a byproduct of success. It's not the ultimate point of success. Money doesn't equate to success as much as a lot of people believe it. What equates to success is a great product and happiness. And then money is the byproduct of all of that. For whatever reason, the WWE seems to have lost complete track of that ideology and goes with the dollar. And that's why we're continuing to get a shoddy product, and that's why we're getting rematches on the day after a pay-per-view, which should be something unique, special, and full of, I guess you could say, quality product. You're not going to get that if you show the very next day the same exact thing. Yeah, and one of the things that, that leads me to bring up, too, would be Ziggler and Miz here, is, all right, I can understand wanting to do the rematch, on TV, and I'm fine with that, but not unadvertised the very next night on Raw. Use this episode of Raw to build towards the fact that Ziggler thinks that what happened at Night of Champions was a fluke, and use that as a selling point there, because Ziggler has enough of a, I feel, Ziggler has enough of a fan base that announcing that Ziggler's cashing in his rematch clause on an episode of Raw will be something that'll make the, the, the typical Ziggler fan want to tune into the show rather than hot-shotting it at the very beginning of the episode. Just, I think it's just a lot of short-sighted decisions that were that are driven by immediate gratification instead of an elongated process of success. And, I mean, that goes with any business model, but for whatever reason now, and I don't know if it's because they're just so in tune with the entertainment industry, that drives themselves off of box office and immediate DVD sales and all that other you know, stuff. I don't know if that's just the mentality that they have, but it's like it's just not helping them and it's not helping their product. Completely understand where you're coming from here. And I agree with all the rematches too, is it's something that needs to be a uh, 
it's something that if you're going to do the rematches after pay-per-view, you kind of limit the amount of rematches that you put on one show, and you also space them out in between the previous pay-per-view and into the build towards the next one. Also, am I the only one that thinks that they're completely burning any and all possible bridge that they may have with any pay-per-view provider with this whole, you paid $55 for a show you could have watched for 10, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. But that's how it, it gives me a complete neener, neener, neener vibe. Pretty much. Like the sibling, like the sibling that always goes, not touching you, not touching you. They're going like, not paying $55, not paying $55. And for the people that are paying the $55, that's going to be, that's a gigantic screw you to them for actually taking the time to invest in the company when they have, when they don't have the option to have the network here. Yeah, you're pretty much telling the people that are paying that, like, ha <laughs> Yeah, screw you, got your extra moo cows, what you going to do about it? Anyways, um, what do you say we take a quick break here and then come back with, we'll pay some bills when we come back from the break, and then we'll do, we'll go into Harry's hit. Sure, let's do it. All right, you're listening to The Raw Reaction on Powerhouse Radio product of blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back right after this. All right, what can I find as far as this? I know what I want to listen to.
I'm Harry Broadhurst. Tony, are you still with me? Yep. Rush That's the, the voice of Tony Acero. And Tony, it's time to pay some bills, all right? Let's do it. All right. The Raw Reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. In addition, we are also brought to you by blogtalkradio.com as well as you can listen to all of the Powerhouse Radio shows through blogtalkradio.com slash radio. You can also find Pro Wrestling Powerhouse on Facebook by searching Pro Wrestling Powerhouse in the search bar. I myself am associated with Real Action Pro Wrestling. We just had a show on Saturday night, actually. And Black Diamond Wrestling. We have a show this Sunday night. I can't get away from doing shows. It's my curse. And in addition, I'm also the owner, creator, and upkeeper of Tony and Greg DeMarco Help. I I hear you're a Greg DeMarco guy. I'm a Greg DeMarco guy. Um, The Yes, Yes, Yes page on Facebook as well, so feel free to search for the Yes, Yes, Yes page while you're on there as well. Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell them about what you do with 411 Mania in addition to anything else that you feel the need to brag about. Um, I do the Raw Report on a weekly basis. I don't know if um, any of our listeners have visited the site frequently or recently, but there's a completely new site design. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, the interface is pretty easy, and the transition wasn't too hard for me, so I'm okay with it. As long as the comment section's still there and I get to hear people either complain or cajole or you know compliment, then I'm okay with it. Um, so, yeah, just check, out, check it out. If you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to visit the Raw Report and say hi. And, um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, TonyAcero411. I'm also on Facebook. I'm pretty open to any, you know, ridicule or anything like that. So feel free to say hi. Um, Two things to touch on. One, I actually I have been regularly using the site even before switching into a switch, and it seems like the site runs a lot faster now with the new layout. Uh-huh. Which I like as somebody that has – I mean, I have a – I have a cable connection, but it's a lower-end cable connection. But it's it's a lot faster loading now than it used to be. That's for damn sure. 
Right. And, you know, I have a pretty good protection on my laptop. I, I, I tend to take good care of it. So I never get any um, viruses or adware like a lot of people complained about um, for 4-in-1. But it seems like this new design did a lot and is doing a lot to get rid of a lot, if not all, of those issues. So I think that's the biggest, um, you know, the biggest compliment to the new design, aside from the fact that it just it just looks a little cleaner. And it's I think the focal point for the new design was more mobile-friendly um, than anything. So I've looked at it on my phone as well as, you know, on my laptop, and it looks crisper. It is faster. There's not so much ad. I haven't gotten a random pop-up or anything like that. I haven't um, really asked anybody else, but that's what they're doing right now. They're, it's a beta test, basically, so anybody that has any issues with, you know, one of the higher-ups, and that's what they're doing right now. So, yeah, all in all, it's good. This site's been around for a while. I've been reading it since I was, like, 12. Never in my life did I oh. think I'd be writing for it. Yeah, since 12. It, it's It's been around for a while, oh, and I remember. I'm the same way. I can remember going on 411 Mania when I was in, like, middle school. So I would have been probably uh-huh. around that same age myself. I remember have, being in an accounting class when I was in high school and using my downtime in the accounting class on Mondays in, when I was in high school to check the to check the results over the weekend, to check the news from over the weekend, and to get the preview of what was going to happen on Raw that night. So yeah, I'm 29 now. I'll be 30 in February. So I used to print out the SmackDown spoilers and sell them. <laughs> it was, I, was, I was such a nerd. It was I would print out the SmackDown report and like tell people I knew what was going to happen. Because not everyone knew it was recorded on Tuesdays. A lot of fans, you know, at a you know twelve to fifteen year old range, don't know anything about TV schedules or whatever. So I would print them out and I'd read them and I'd read them over and over and I'd tell people like, oh yeah, you know, Jericho and Regal are gonna have this match coming up soon. It's gonna be awesome. Regal's gonna lose or oh, you're not gonna believe who hit you know <laughs> Stone Cold and like man, I was <laughs> I was a little shit. Yeah, but you no, know, the site been around for a while and, and, and I've followed it pretty much through almost its entire existence and like I said never did I believe that I'd be writing for never did I believe I'd be a writer but never did I believe I'd be writing for a website that was a huge part of my childhood so it's still something that I hold pretty dearly yeah I'm the same way like I said I grew up reading the site there that, that site right there um, it actually J.D. Dunn used to tell me what DVDs to buy, what shows to get. Oh, yeah, shows to yeah. <laughs> J.D. was the man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, as the sites progressed over the years, I've still read, read people and followed them even some people before they got to 411. Like one of the guys that I spoke before he got to 411, then he started at 411 was Kevin Ford, the guy who mm-hmm. used to do the Chicago reviews for 411 Mania. Because right. Kevin got his start with the Cool Kids table, which was owned by another pair of your former colleagues over at 411, uh, Jake Ziegler and Brad Garoon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some say that we've right. progressed in years. Some say that we've digressed. But, um, you know, some say that we've belittled ourselves with Watrys and, and what was that guy's name? The weird one with the sandwich. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Russ. Kirk. Uh, Kirk. There we go. I wasn't actually going to get an official mention, but Kirk. <laughs> Wes Kirk and Justin Watry. These guys, man. Gotta love them. Dude, such a fucking troll. 
Anyway, <laughs> to get back on topic here, it's time for Harry Fit. Yeah. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Harry Fit. I told you this when we were doing our our pre-show discussion here that I, I'm titling tonight's Harry's hit "Hip to Hop," which I, I figured you might have a little affinity towards, given your taste in in rap music. I thought you might find that humorous. And I'm actually referring, of course, to the segment tonight with the tag match between Adam Rose and the Bunny against Slater Gator. See, I'm actually okay with the WWE doing segments like this, as long as there's a plan for down the road for what they're going to do going forward with everything coming out of here. And as I understand it, there is, even if it wasn't specifically that plan being in action this evening. And the reason I say that is, have you heard the same rumors I've heard as far as the Bunny? Um, I mean, I've heard different things. I've, I've had guesses as to who it is. I don't really know where they're going with it. I don't disagree with you. I, I, there's always going to be a place for humor, and as long as it's not hurting anybody, I'm okay with it. But, no, go ahead and elaborate on what you heard. All right, well, it's not really hurting anybody here because I don't think Slater Gators to the point where they're taking seriously as a tag team anyways. So it's not like being the involvement with the feud and the constant losing to Adam Rose and the Bunny is going to hurt Heath Slater and Titus O'Neil any. But it actually brings somebody back that could eventually help the standing for one of those gentlemen. And the rumor that I heard is that the, the long-term reveal for the uh, for the bunny is supposed to be Darren Young. Yeah, I've heard and that too. And there's also been there's also been talk going around that it's going to lead to a potential reunion of the primetime players. Huh. Where Darren Young constantly keeps getting the better of Heath Slater and Titus O'Neil, and then it gets to the point where Slater or where Titus and Darren work out whatever differences that they've had, and they start going back into the tag division because the tag division honestly is to the point where it probably could use some more sprucing up at this point. And as far as entertainment value goes, y'all wouldn't know entertainment if it slapped you in the face. <laughs> As for tonight, I don't know if you caught it, but we very clearly saw some very white wrists on the bunny. Uh-huh. I'm almost certain that it was Justin Gabriel tonight. That was pretty much my guess. Um, I saw some photographic evidence that, I mean, it's not like, you know, for sure, but it's still pretty, pretty solid in regards to um, certain moves that Justin Gabriel was accustomed to, such as that, that uh, kick and... Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Justin Gabriel, which is fine. I don't know how they're going to make it be Darren Young, but we've seen masked and dressed-up characters be someone completely different when it comes to the reveal. I mean, Kevin Nash was Shredder, so. <laughs> Turtle power. Anyway. But as far as the whole bunny situation goes, I, I've enjoyed it. I think there's a place for it. I just... I think you have to keep it in minimal doses. You keep it into the level that it is right now, like along the lines of giving it like three to five minutes on an episode of Raw is fine. Giving it six to eight minutes on an episode of SmackDown is fine because obviously SmackDown's a B show, so you're going to have a lot less major storylines over there to give the, the B storylines like this a chance to progress. 
as long as you're not overdoing the boundaries of those time frames and stepping over and into the point where you're actively interfering with other contests that could and or should be happening, or as long as you're not going excessively out of the way to embarrass talent. Like, in the, do you remember the Chavo Guerrero hornswoggle angle? Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, that's the exact that's the exact theory right there of a, of a humor angle that doesn't work. Because it took a guy that was loyal to, that had been loyal to the company since he signed back in 2001 in Chavo Guerrero and made him look like a complete joke. And it wasn't funny. And you know how I feel about not funny stuff. <laughs> exactly. And you can see the value in something like this with the children market, with the PG market that they're aiming towards, too. And I think that Adam Rose has enough of a following from that kid demographic because of the flashiness of his entrance, because of that whole stage dive thing that he does before his match, and just the silly shenanigans that he's, his character is always involved in backstage. Yeah, like that's my personal Yeah, we that <laughs> over here. Started on that shit again. At least there hasn't been anything actively anti PG. Well, technically. Bree calling Nikki a bitch last night, but that was on pay-per-view, so, you know, whatever. Excuse me, that was on special event, unless you paid $55 for it. Then it was on pay-per-view. Morons. Anyway. You look parched, Tony. A little bit. All right, let's hit the third do. All right, so we've been seeing a lot of photos of, you know, Steen and Kenta, Prince Devitt, and all this, all these guys that are coming up the ranks of NXT, and a lot of us are getting excited. And then we get a tweet, kind of vague, says, you know, the next generation is coming, WWE basically giving us a nice little teaser. Now, I'm not saying they were alluding to NXT, but I think a lot of people were kind of excited about the possibility of this, you know, power group coming up the ranks and, just causing damage, uh, kind of like Nexus. I didn't see any place for it. It, may, it probably would have made no sense. It probably wouldn't have worked out well. But it probably also would have been really fucking cool. Tonight, what we got instead was a preview of WWE, WWE 2K15 for the next generation consoles. Um, I'm, I'm not a big gamer. I play games a lot, but they're very specific. I play Batman games, and I play wrestling games, and then I play Madden. That's pretty much it. On occasion, I'll stray away, but that's pretty much my little comfort zone. So I'll definitely be picking the game up. What we saw was some extremely well-done well graphics. It, it was pretty exciting. I'm really excited to see the game, but I just thought I'd get a mention, give it a mention here, mainly because, I mean, it's wrestling. It happened on Raw. And the tease that they put out there, I'm not disappointed. I just, you know, we got something that I didn't expect. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but it wasn't also anything like I was, like, mad about. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 it looks cool. I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of jokes online about how Brian showed up just to get squashed even in a video game and how Triple H was the one that they focused on the most, how, you know, they must have put a lot of work into his nose and all that stuff was funny. But, yeah, the the, the main real result is that the video game's coming and it looks pretty badass. Do you know what the other big thing that I took away from this? What's that? Xavier Woods has somehow appeared in more video games now than Bob Backlund. 
Did you see him hitting? Who who was it? I think he hit Fandango with the honor roll. That that uh, Tucky T uh, uh, soul food gimmick. Yeah. Xavier Woods had on screen time on Raw tonight, and he actually wasn't even in the building. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to see the full roster reveal. I'm I'm not much of a video gamer, and. In principle, I refuse to spend $60 for a video game, period. <laughs> I but uh, I have I have friends that are huge gamers and will be getting it, and then I'll go over their places, face off with them in a couple matches, and get my ass kicked because they'll have the game, they'll be able to practice. I'll be picking up the controllers and kind of winging it. Do you think, do you think 2K here, because this is going to be the first game that 2K does specifically under the 2K banner. Do you think 2K is going to be able to outdo or outshine the reputation that the WWE had gotten from its video games through companies like Acclaim and THQ? You know, I really don't know. Um, That's one of my biggest things. Like, I want to see how well they do. Uh, 2K games in general, um, I, I, I don't dislike them. I just feel that there's certain aspects of them that are a bit lazy. I don't know if that's going to translate to the wrestling side of things or if it's just the sports that they do. But um, all in all, it's more, to me at least, it's more of a wait and see what happens type of thing. There was talk going around that the WWE license was going to go to EA Sports. Would you have had more interest in going to EA than it eventually ending up at 2K? You know, I I think it depends on the team that's behind it, not necessarily the name. Because wrestling is such a different beast. Um, the button schematics are relatively simple, and, and that's always been a favorite of mine with the WWE games is that they're they're not, you know, button-smashing games or like Street Fighter where you're doing like 15 button combos just to hit one move. Um, it's very straightforward, and it's also a lot of fun. So if they keep those aspects intact, then we're going to have a pretty good game. You know, it's funny that you mention it. Actually, two of my favorite wrestling video games that I do play, because I I have an Xbox 360 here. I have a PS2 here. Two of my three favorite games that I play for both of the systems for that style of wrestling game, Um, ECW's Hardcore Revolution game and the WWF Attitude game that came out, where it was the three, four-button move combos. Right. But I think as... I think as you're getting into the newer and the younger game players, too, um, attention spans maybe aren't what they were as far as, like, when Acclaim had the license and was putting out those games, and that it's easier to do these shorter and to-the-point games as far as gameplay goes and focus on the nuances of knowing when to hit your counter button or knowing when to hit your grapple button or knowing when to, when to store and when to use your finishing moves or whatever that I think is going yeah. to play a large factor in rather or not the 2K game is going to be a success or not because I think that's one of the things that stood out about the old THQ version of it was the counter system that a lot of people really enjoyed that and the fact that it was very realistic as far as having to hit your mark directly in order to be able to counter a computer a computer generated opponent's offense. Yeah, except when you get into the whole 16 counters in a row spot. <laughs> Well, this is what happens when you play Undertaker on WrestleMania difficulty, Tony. <laughs> I like I'm a glutton for punishment. I've heard <laughs> excuse me. 
I've heard horror stories of people trying to beat that beat the streak thing that came out on a mm-hmm. was it the last THQ SmackDown versus Raw game or not I believe so. like two K two K thirteen or or no SDVR thirteen or something where mm-hmm. it was one of the it's the super achievement was to beat Taker at WrestleMania with like the ultra like the Taker level difficulty there. I heard horror stories of guys having 25, 30, 35 minute matches trying to beat Taker and Taker kicking out of <laughs> everything that they would throw at him. It should have been Brock. <laughs> Eat, sleep, F5 three times, finish. Go home and be an Instagram superstar with Michelle McCool. <laughs> Have you seen those pictures? Yeah, I have. It's weird seeing Taker in a T-shirt. Not yeah, it, man. I, I, I have mixed feelings. It's 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 complete fandom, though. It's nothing logical that I can be like, you know, why aren't you in the ring? You know, I know why. <laughs> I just... With everything that the WWE's done, and this kind of ties back into the video game thing here, and then we'll go into the actual, but let's talk about Ross, and then we'll touch on the general overarching theme of tonight's episode, which was one man and two men by proxy. Do you think that we will see one more taker match with Sting because of everything that's going on with Sting and 2K and them using Sting for the launch of the 2K line with with him finally signing the contract with the WWE, even though at the present moment it's not a, uh, excuse me, it's not a actual wrestler contract that Sting has signed. No, I think that ship has sailed. I think that the the crowd that still wants that is just not the focal point of the show anymore. I'm not saying that the crowd isn't there. It's just not as big as. Um, it was even five years ago. No, I agree. I, I think this, if, if they weren't, if they didn't do it this year, I think this was the last year that it really would have had any kind of steam behind it, especially with all the rumors going around with Sting finally having left his TNA contract as well. Yeah. All right. So with that, we move on and we talk about the main event and the opening segments from Monday Night Raw because they involve basically the same participants here. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk about Raw, Tony. All right. You want to you want to go ahead and do the rundown for the opening, and we'll talk about that, and then I'll do the rundown for the uh, the way the main event went down. Yeah, we had a uh, we had the show open with Ambrose, which is you know a nice and refreshing change, of course. Um, He's pretty he's pretty fun to be on the mic. You know, the little things that he does, the slapping of the face and the whole, like, oh, yeah, that was fun, you know, getting uh, smashed in the cinder blocks, which obviously wasn't fun. It was short. It wasn't long. It was effective. Cena came out and kind of seemed, like, shoehorned in there. I liked Ambrose's reaction to it all, where it didn't seem like he was just buddy-buddy with them. He actually had no idea what he was doing out there, and to the point where he said, you know, if you're going to get in my way, then I recommend you just leave. Because um, he was, you know, he had a particular idea in mind about how tonight was going to go, and it didn't go his way. Um, yeah, I, I'm still mixed on Cena's mix in this, but I'm willing to let it play out a bit. I think that the opening was pretty good. Um, I'll let you finish the rest of the show because I did have some issues with certain things. All right, well, 
Well, I'll get to the uh, second half of the show as well because you still had other people involved in that opening segment and actions that we haven't discussed yet. So let's go ahead and uh-huh. run the, run those down real quick too here with the involvement of the game, the doubles, Randy, Seth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I've done that on this show in several months, Seth, and Corporate Kane. Did you like the way that they went with the uh, with that opening segment with having Cena and Ambrose chasing Rollins through the building? It came off kind of cheesy. It also came off weird. I mean, like both of them chasing him, and it, it had a lot of undertones that I was just like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> this is kind of awkward. Um, and then Seth had no rep- you know, repercussions for stealing a car. Um, <laughs> that wasn't his. Um, he, you know, it, that didn't make any sense. And then, uh, but yeah, as far as Cena and Ambrose chasing him at the same time. It was like I don't know. It was awkward, and, and I don't know. It, it just seemed it seemed unnecessary. Yeah, that was my big thing there. If, if the two of them are both chasing him, they can't like have one of them hold him, and the other one gets punches in, and then the other one holds, and the first guy gets punches in. You would think there would be some semblance of working together in order to beat Seth Rollins' ass. Hmm. I mean, regardless of who got him in a single, who gets him in the singles match first, the goal for this evening, and it wasn't to have a match with him, it was to beat his ass for what he did at Night of Champions, with him ducking Ambrose by having Triple H send out the goons and the security and Jamie Melba, boy, mm-hmm. to take down Dean Ambrose as he was beating Seth Rollins all around the arena in Nashville. And then with Rollins. Technically speaking, I guess you could say costing John Cena the WWE World Heavyweight title because Cena did just hit another attitude adjustment, F you, call it what you will, before Rollins broke it up with the briefcase shot to the back. And actually, I did want to touch on one other thing from that match United Champions that bothered me. Seriously, Super Cena, you sell a briefcase shot to the face for 30 seconds? (laughs) What the hell? Okay, so Rollins, uh, I know you haven't seen it, so Rollins hits Cena in the back with his briefcase to cause a disqualification. Cena's back up to his feet, and Rollins belts him in the face, knocking him out of the ring. Rollins hits the curb stomp and try, on Brock and tries to cash in. And right as he's hopping back into the ring to, to cash in on that, the guy that got hit in the face with the briefcase is the one pulling him off of the apron. Sounds about right. What the hell? Sorry, that bothered me. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that bothered me, too, is like, as you said there, there are no repercussions or anything from Seth Rollins basically carjacking a dude and uh, vehicularly assaulting Dean Ambrose in the process. <laughs> Do you see the bump Dean joke there? That could have ended badly. Yeah, that was that was really reckless. I mean, it fits his character to take a bump like that, but it's still asinine. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of little things that I didn't like. Like Kane, um, during the match with Ambrose, he, you know, going for the pin so early, it was, it's minor, but, you know, when you have Triple H, they finish him, and then you go out there and expect to win off of, like, a clothesline. You're doing it wrong, bro. And then, <laughs> and I mean... If we're going to segue to the end of the show, as awesome as it is to see Dean in a box, um, 
I just I need some sort of logical connection as to how he got there. Um, I don't know if they're going to explain it. I highly doubt that they are. It was really cool to see him pop out, but where's the, you know, how did he get out of the closet? Did he ever go in? And just a lot of little things that was like, all right, guys, as cool as it is, does it make sense? I don't know. Oh, no, it made absolutely no sense that he was able to be at ringside after being locked in that locked in that janitor's room with five security guards standing watch outside. The only thing that would make any kind of sense is if Ambrose brought every single last one of them. <laughs> Somebody said that there was a segment and, we didn't um, where Ambrose walked out with a fake mustache and sunglasses and just strolled on out. And I don't know why that image made me crack up so hard. <laughs> How messed up would it be if that was actually a legitimate thing that happened on the app? <laughs> It'd be hilarious. Good grief. Mr. Shambrose, how are you doing this evening? I'm okay, boys. Thank you for letting me out of this room. You might want to worry about the other lunatic that's in there, though. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right, so let's actually get to this main event here. Uh... John Cena, Randy Orton, part 1,642,733.4. That's an estimate. I could be off a couple, you know, one or two here or there. (laughs) But the match itself was fine. But as soon Mm -hmm. as they reared, as soon as they wheeled that box, the, uh, obviously they were insinuating that it was the cinder, the cinder box that, Rollins and Kane had used before in regards to Ambrose and in regards to attempting to use on Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. I, in the Raw thread on Yes, I posted a hashtag on there of things Dean Ambrose would hide in. Right. Because this was the exact thing that we've seen before with him hiding in the trunk of a car or hiding in a present. It fits his M.O. He hides inside of stuff. So I kind of lost a little bit of the disbelief there because once they once they saw that thing out there, I kind of figured Ambrose was going to come out there. But it didn't make the effect and the reaction from the crowd live there any less impressive for when they popped for Ambrose joining in the fight for, to help Cena once Cena was being triple-teamed there, in addition to them actually get, finally getting their hands on Rollins until Rollins escapes to the crowd, and then Ambrose and Cena hit double finishes on Rollins and are on excuse me Kane and Randy Orton. Yeah. Alright, so I'm gonna play the part yeah. of fantasy booker real quick here. I wanna know what you think. I know you're not big on fantasy booking, but this is a thought that I had while I was watching that main event segment and I'm curious as to what you might think about it. If you could think this match would be beneficial, do you think this match would be detrimental to what they're trying to do here? Okay, so obviously Seth Rollins is two guys that want that want him bad. Like they want his ass in the ring. Triple H figures out the easiest way to keep Cena and Ambrose apart is to make them fight for the right to face Rollins. Would you have any interest in a Raw main event of Dean Ambrose versus John Cena? Um, at this, I was actually, at this particular point, it was something that I had actually considered. Um, I liked the idea of Triple H putting them against each other to face, you know, the opportunity to face Ambrose uh, Rollins. I think it's logical, and it's also a heel tactic, and it's also a seemingly fresh um, matchup. I I don't really have any qualms with it. I don't 
I don't know that Dean would win, but it kind of depends where Cena's going. Um, you know, like for instance, who's uh, who's going to face Brock next, and when is that going to happen? They didn't allude to it. They didn't even mention it. Paul Heyman wasn't even there. They kind of just didn't say anything at all about the fact that the main title <laughs> is not on the show and doesn't have a contender. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I, I think that that would be a nice little mini placeholder feud en route to the big title match that they're going to have, which I assume is going to be another Cena and Brock match. Well, here's a thought for you as well. And this is where I'm going to play Fantasy Booker here. I would do that match, but I would do that match to a point where it actually puts Seth Rollins in an advantage if you're Triple H here. I would actually have those two wrestle each other, but I would have them face each other at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and then the winner gets Rollins, and the winner gets Rollins inside of the Cell. And there are two reasons for doing it at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. One, you'll have a tired opponent going into the match with Rollins inside of the Cell. Two, you can use that, that... platform there, that special event platform right there to officially kick off the Rusev-Cena angle because you can have Cena cost Rusev the match or you can have Rusev cost Cena the match with Ambrose which allows Ambrose to go on and face Rollins a little bit later on in the evening. Sounds good. I'd buy it. I'd 9.99 that bitch. Just, it was a thought that I had during the course of the main event and I figured I'd share and get your thoughts. And if anybody's listening... If you guys are listening to the show, and as I understand it, I check the stats on the shows. We usually average about four to 500 listeners a week, which isn't bad. Hey, um, if you guys want to give me your feedback weird. on that, you can find me on Facebook, Harry Broadhurst. You can find me on the Yes page. You can find me on the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse page as well. There's a Powerhouse Radio page specifically as well on Facebook that you can check into in order to give your thoughts and your feedback on that, and if that's something that would interest you guys. In addition, if you guys want to give us a call when we're live on occasions here, and not, not going to be tonight because we're getting ready to wrap up the show, but anybody listening, if you want to give us a call, it's, uh, three, it's 760-888-5749 to join myself and Tony live here on the Raw Reaction. Um, do we have anything else to touch on for tonight's show, or have we pretty much hit everything? If you call in, don't be a douche, unless you can out-douche my douchiness, then by all means. He's plenty of douche. Plenty of douche. Now that's it. Let's give some raw ratings here. All right, let's go ahead and hit the uh, the final reaction, shall we? Mm-hmm. It is the final I was listening to the show, and I heard what you said about it, so I figured I'd play it for you, because I figured it'd get a laugh. Yeah, it did. See, this is what happens when you're a DeMarco guy. He screws up your sound bites. I'm going to have to talk to our pals over at Wrestling to the Max and see if they can't make us something for that, because I'm sure that Sean, Paul, or Gary, between the three of them, can work out something. Neither of us has the, uh, the capability or the knowledge. Well, I mean, I probably could figure it out if I wanted to, but... Anyways, alright. Uh, letter grade for the show, Tony. Um, you know, it's kind of tough. I, I want to give it, like, an A, because a lot of the in-ring work was awesome, and they didn't do anything offensive, but I can't, because I feel like they didn't do anything. Um, 
So I'm going to stick with a B. I thought it was a good show. I thought that the wrestling was on point. I thought that there wasn't anything really bad except for the Bellas. Um, and although I, I said they didn't do anything, there was a the tiniest bit of storyline progression. It was good to see Ambrose back, and um, I, I enjoyed it. I was very tired before the show started, and I was worried that I'd fall asleep mid-typing. But they kept me awake and, you know, kept me watching. So either I had a second wind I wasn't aware of or the show was at the very least entertaining. So I'll go with the B. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Ambrose brings in energy to the shows that isn't there when he's not around. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same ways, and we've made this comparison before, and that the loose cannon character with Brian Pillman did is that you want to watch and keep watching to see what is he going to do next. Right. Speaking of which, we actually heard Stephanie drop the loose cannon reference in regards to Ambrose tonight. I don't know if you caught that or not. Yeah, I did. There was some nice little bit of self-awareness in that segment where Triple H is trying to kick him out of the building, but Stephanie insists that they lock him up in the room. And Triple H questions Stephanie why they're locking him up in the room. And Stephanie looks at him in the complete deadpan goes, because when has anybody that we've kicked out not come back anyways? Mm-hmm. There was a nice bit of self-awareness to that booking right there, so i got to give him credit for right. that. That was smart. All right, let's, uh, your favorite moment on the show. AJ. Wish I could say I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> your second favorite moment on the show. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, let's see. I didn't think of a second one. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know what your least favorite moment of the show was. Oh yeah, definitely the Bellas. The same, the same thing that's ended up in our least favorite moment of the show for like the last six weeks. Yeah, they're they're not doing anything to change that, and probably not going to anytime soon either. I'm right there with you, Tony. I gave tonight's show a B. Um, I had the same situation that you did. I came into tonight's show very tired. I did not think I was going to make it through. I was worried I was going to fall asleep during the show and actually sleep through the radio show as well because it was looking <laughs> like that was a very serious possibility for a while. But it kept me entertained enough, and then I was able to have enough of a break in between the matches and stuff. They went to, the, they went to commercial on the right matches, and they let the other matches progress as they needed to in order to allow fans to flip over long enough to check the score on the Sunday Night Football game, or to, in my case, get up and get a snack or get something to drink in order to help get some sugar and keep me awake for the show. So, in that sense, they accomplished what they were looking to do. In addition, as you said, I think we finally saw the end of a couple storylines that needed to end in regards to Henry and Rusev, and then the start of something that I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing where they go with the teased tension between Dean Ambrose and John Cena, because I actually think that if they play their cards right with this Ambrose Cena angle, they can do the same thing for Ambrose that they did with Daniel Bryan by way of John Cena. And I'm, of course, referring to the match that Amber, that uh, Bryan and Cena had back at SummerSlam in 2013, where Bryan became a made man by pinning Cena clean in the middle of the ring. Because at this yeah, point, how many times do we really see that anymore? I don't know if they'll go that far, but it would be nice to see. Um, my most favorite moment of the show was the second backstage attack that led to Ambrose getting locked in the room there because I actually thought that was a nice bit of self-aware booking. And in addition, the uh, the attack itself was well done. Yeah. 
uh, runner up to runner up to Ziggler Miz because it was a really nice way to play off of what happened last night at Night of Champions. Although, as I said earlier, I would have moved that back to next week and actually used this week to build towards that match next week. Yeah, and you know what? My least favorite... I don't think we gave them. Uh, I don't think we gave them enough credit. That was a pretty solid match. My least favorite moment of the week was obviously the Bella situation. Um, I also question the booking of Ambrose getting out of the room and them not ever actually addressing it. I mean, I now I have the vision of Ambrose in, in shades, a mustache, and a, and a hoodie just walking <laughs> right by the security guys. Yep. And that's going to be stuck with me for the rest of the night, so thanks for that. Yeah, I'll thank the commenter for it. It was a great image, great visual. And we're getting the 90-second warning here, so I'm going to go ahead and put things to a wrap. You got anything else you want to touch on here real quick, Tony? That's it. All right. He's Tony Acero from 401 Mania. I'm Harry Broadhurst. This is the Raw Reaction on Powerhouse Radio in association with Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. We want to thank you for listening, and we will catch you next Monday, September 29th, for the Raw Reaction here on Powerhouse Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Deuces, bitches. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.